What up, Cosmetic family? Hey, thanks for joining us on the Cosmetic Podcast. Cosmetic means being a person or thing that gives rise to a phenomenon that is dynamic or energizing. We're tackling topics and telling the truth. I'm Rodrigo Ross. I'm Keith Fence. So today I am super excited because we have been talking about doing this and we are doing it. We have two wonderful, amazing, super spectacular, yes, I'm biased, sorry, not sorry, interns, the one and only Marie McGrew and Saran Regassa joining us today for My Future, My Way. These young women are taking charge, they doing the thing, and I am so excited to be a part of it. Welcome, ladies. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, just yesterday, July 29th, I'm not sure when this is going to drop right here, but July 29th was National Intern Day. Wonderful, wonderful uh, young ladies have been doing a marvelous job for the YMC of Metropolitan Dallas. We're so excited that you guys were a part of uh, uh, this family for the summer, and we hope that you guys will continue to stay in touch. For sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, as we, as you guys are about to go off, you just graduated from high school, and both of you all decided on two different paths. Uh, one is going to college. One is going to take a gap year. Can uh, Saran, we'll start off with you to talk about uh, the gap year and why you yeah. decided to do that. Yeah, of course. Firstly, thank you, Rodrigo and Keith, for the amazing introduction. Um, yeah, so I'm actually going to be taking a gap semester. I'm going to be going to school in January. Hopefully, you know, I've been trying to nudge Rodrigo to let me get on for the fall. You know what I'm saying? But no um, nudging needed. You're on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I kind of decided on this after, you know, COVID and everything that's happened. It was such a difficult year for me, um, especially since I had to deal with family at home in addition to the IB courses that I was taking. And I've decided that, you know, give me some time right before I start the next chapter of my life, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's, that is excellent. And that is really an emotionally intelligent perspective, right? Like so many people, they normalize this push through, push through, push through, and they don't give the proper credit and cadence to, no, sometimes I just, I need to take a rest. And, and that's fine. That doesn't mean I'm stopping. It just means I'm pausing. So kudos. Yes, Saran. Yeah. The way to prioritize. I love yeah, it. I don't even know about you, Marie, but I was not able to, you know, give the right focus and attention that was needed to get like college applications and like really research into colleges like you're supposed to. So I really am looking forward to this time to kind of really get that back together and like dedicate because it's the next four years of your life, you know, it's a big yeah. chapter. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, Marie? What, what's going on with you? What's the next chapter after high school for you? Well, I've decided to go to college, like straight into college. But um, I will say uh, to Saran is, I was considering uh, taking a gap year because I did the early college. And I was like, oh, I'm already ahead. It wouldn't hurt. But um, like you said, I did have a lot of push, a lot of people like trying to like put in that push through culture. And I think that kind of made me go do that. But I definitely, when just like doing this process, I definitely like took a step back from like different things that I do. I had to prioritize certain things because I'm one of those people that is like, I'll try to do a million things and then just run myself down. And like, definitely COVID has taught me, like, you have to prioritize yourself. Mm -hmm. But yes, I'm going to the University of Houston in the fall to study political science. 
I was a poli sci major. Yes. Woo, woo, woo. You hear that, Keith? Us together, political science. You yeah, jealous? Too smart, two smart ladies. I, I, I was gonna say young ladies, but I um I forgot the order. It's too early. We just started. We just started. It's too early. Well, you guys have mentioned uh both both of y'all mentioned COVID. Um, and you know this uh, variant is going up. You know has cases going on. What what is what kind of was your experience going through kind of the really the thick of things? And then even right now with uh, things changing right now, what a, that voice of young people, what is being said out there? What do you guys think about that? Um, I personally, I would say at least with uh, my generation or people that are a little bit older than us, um, I would say personally, we're finding out that like, they're like we said, prioritizing ourselves. I think you can see that like a lot in the news with like how people want to go back to work or not even just like not wanting to go to work. They just don't want to necessarily have to go back to work because they realize, oh, well, I can work from home and I can prioritize my mental health and things like that. So I feel like that. And, you know, people who are like, you know, do you want to wear a mask, not wear a mask? I feel like things like that. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would say for me, one thing that I've really taken away or one thing that I've been really grateful for is the increase of social media and internet and just kind of expanding the ways that we're able to connect with one another. Um, right now, if it wasn't for honestly COVID, I don't know if I would have some of the positions that I have now. Um, like I'm the director of partnerships for an international like youth nonprofit and we work with sustainability and urban gardening. Um, and so much of that work has to be virtual. And I think having the chance to work with virtual platforms like Zoom, um, like Slack, you know, the things that are now popular, it's really helped me, you know, find new ways to connect with people. And in addition, kind of expand what I think is possible in terms of what I can do. You know. mm, mm. I love that. I love that. You know, one of the things that I, I'm noticing, too, is that for for you guys generation, right, that access to technology and that shrinking of the world, so to speak, um, Gen Z really is vocal and they are in tuned and they are much more active in the in the social responsibility, social justice space. And some people are even saying they're re-energizing like the next iteration of the civil rights movement. Um, and so I would love to hear from you ladies about in, in this space, what kind of energy, what are you looking forward to? What are you being vocal about? What are you passionate about in the social responsibility and social justice spaces? Let's you want to start, Marie? Um, I, well, uh, since I'm starting, I will say uh, personally, right now with uh like so many of our generation just being like very big on social justice my thing that i really want to push for and like get on to when i go to houston is to join an organization like when we all vote yes we all have changes we want to make but you have to do certain things to help you know enact the change and i think voting is a big part of that and not just on like the presidential level but on the state level and local level where change is really more pushed yeah, I love that. What about you, Saran? What are you passionate about in this space? You know, honestly, for, you know, being a Black woman, things like racial um, issues, things like um, gender issues have always been something that I've been hyper aware of. 
And in this last year, year and a half, it's been amazing to actually, you know, take a break from, um, you know, the, the demands of school, especially last year, and kind of really delve into what I want to do in the future. So especially after the murder of George Floyd, you know, the nation sparked Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the nation kind of blew up and people had that moment of rest, had that moment of, hey, this is wrong. And we were able and I was able to actually do a lot of advocacy work within my local school district, you know, advocate for more programs um, and more mechanisms of equity within my school. In addition to that, Marie, to your point, I also think voting is really important. Um Last year during the um, 2020 presidential election, I was a part of a cohort of um, individuals that reached out to students and college students all over the DFW area to recruit them to become poll workers. Because I don't know if you guys remember, but during the midterm elections last year, lines were long. People were unable to vote. People, there were so many issues when it came to disenfranchisement and, you know, and considering how close the last election was, every single person that is able to vote should be able to or should um, be given that opportunity. So increasing people's awareness of these issues um, has also is also important, but also giving them the access to and the ability to make an impact and really use the voice and abilities that they have. Nice. I love it. Yes. I'm feeling so secure about our future. I'm, I, I think so. Cause uh, boy, um, I think they're, t- I think they're going to take care of us, right? I think so. Cause I think when I was their age, I was just trying to make sure my shoes was matching my outfit and you know, my lip gloss was all the way together. So. And what's changed? But okay. We moving on. Yes. We so, moving on. You know, this, this uh, <laughs> We have the Olympics going on, and uh, I've been just so impressed. Uh, I watch uh, Miss uh, was it Suni uh, Suni last night win um, all around, and um, but teammate Simone Biles really took this bold stance uh, this week, and it's like you know what, I got to take care of myself first. Yeah, as I look at the research out there, it's Gen Z generation is really just stepping up and plan, stepping up to the plate to say, look, I have so much on me, uh, they're willing to talk about it. Whereas in prior generations, that wasn't necessarily the case, but we're seeing more and more of that from you guys' generation. Can you guys share a little bit about, you know, mental health and maybe what's your personal experience and, you know, kind of what are some of the conversations that you have with your, your friend groups? Um, personally, um, uh, what I can speak to about it is I think our generation and then specifically with my friends, we're like starting to have these conversations about, I think we call it grind culture. And it's like this culture to where like, I think it's, I don't want to say specific to minorities, but I know it's very popular in our communities, but, um, it's this culture to where you're just a cheat. You're, you're so like hungry to achieve your goals. So you just have this mentality to where it's like, I need to grind this out. I need to do the hard work now and keep pushing. And then eventually when I get there, it's like, oh, you have this thought that I will finally relax. But the reality of it is like the, the grind culture makes you want to keep pushing for better goals. So you never take time for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, with us, at least, 
with my friend group in, um, you know, Saran and things like that, people who are like, who are very involved in school and doing things outside of school. I think COVID made us like, take a step back, like, can't do these things. You can't grind these things out. And it made us like sit down and look at it, like prioritize yourself, like I previously said, and maybe you need to prioritize the things you want to do. And yes, this is your goal, but is it, you know, is it hindering how you're performing overall because you're not thinking about yourself? Mm, yeah. Grind culture. We learned something new today. I know, right? Right. That yes. whole part of just always being on. And, and yeah. And 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 this idea that when you get to wherever it is, right, whatever you think is the top, that you can just kind of sit up there and relax. But the reality is, no, you gotta grind to stay there. So grind mm-hmm. culture never really ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's right. good stuff. Yeah. I would say I definitely agree with you, Marie. If there's anything we've learned in the past year and a half, it's that health matters more than anything. Mm-hmm. It's something that we need to prioritize in all aspects of how we move to- through this world, how we build the structures that we work in, that we live in, um, and that we vote in. Um, and I would say, I remember I saw this one quote probably on social media or TikTok or something that was like, um, you only do things, you only the only ways you have motivation are either through, you know, a means of survival, meaning like you feel like you have to do something or you're passionate about what you, what you're doing. And so that's what drives you to, to continue in what you're doing. And I know, you know, definitely I'm speaking from a place of privilege. There's a lot of people who aren't able to work in things that they enjoy that have to work out of survival. But I would say, that if you don't have that aspect of loving some part of what you do, whether it's something that's a part of your job or something that's outside of your job, it's definitely going to lower your performance and lower your overall life quality, right? And, you know, when it comes to mental health, I've always felt like whenever you're doing something you're passionate about, it never feels like work. Mm. It's always about curiosity. It's always, for me, it's about you know, whenever I'm working on those Excel sheets with um, you, Rodrigo, or Emily, I like learning about those different statistics and how we work within our community. That's something that I'm passionate about, that I'm interested in. And that's how you tap into not necessarily grind culture, but pursuing something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you love those Excel spreadsheets, baby girl, because... Mm. <laughs> At least one of us does. I like the data it gives me, but I don't want to deal with the spreadsheets at all. I like that part. You said when you you're doing something that you're passionate about, you don't. It doesn't feel like work. And uh, yeah, I know for me, uh, that's my philosophy that I share with folks is that you know my worst days is probably better than people's best days at work mm-hmm. because when I come to work and wait when I wake up in the morning and I come to work, I am doing what I'm passionate about. And it just doesn't, you know, feel like work. And I get paid right. a good check every two weeks. Like I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. Yeah. So because of that, how important is it when young people now are looking for organizations to work in or places to kind of really let their passion shine? How important is it for organizations to number one, realize that, realize that you gotta give young people space to work in their passion. And number two, you gotta let them be who they authentically are. Like, is that a deal breaker for you guys? 
Um, personally for me, like at least with my friend group, my friend group thinks that's a very bad trait that I have is that it's not a difference <laughs> to me because I have, you know, I'm in this, I've been in this realm where it's like, I think we call it code switching. So mm. I'm, I'm personally used to it. And now I have people around me who, you know, disencourage that and be like, be, be yourself, but it's personally not a deal breaker for me, but for a lot of people that are my age, I think it's very that is a deal breaker, whether it be your hair or how you talk or just like your personality that you bring to the table or being like, um, I can say passionate about it as a, as a young black woman, mm-hmm. that is one thing that I have personally, I don't control it as much now, but my passion for things, I think it comes off as the wrong way to some people. And then you end up dulling yourself down. And so yeah. I think, you know, that's a deal breaker for a lot of people because they don't know how to do it or they just don't want to. And that's understandable. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Saran? Is that a deal breaker when you just can't be authentically you in a workplace? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, I'd say definitely me not being able to express who I am within any professional space really hinders my ability to contribute to the conversation, to contribute what I have. Um, it's like, especially since, you know, we're interns, half of our job is learning from you guys. And you know, I've had so many friends in school that ended up hating a particular subject or um, just in general not liking a subject because the experience that they had with it or the teacher that they had with it didn't align with who they were or didn't allow them to ask the questions that they wanted to ask or, mm. you know, really explore the topic beyond, you know, superficial, beyond the superficial ones, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say that it's definitely something that a lot of minorities are expected to put up with um, a lot more so than their white counterparts. Um, And so I sincerely think that self-expression within the workplace directly contributes to the success and overall environment of the workplace. Nice. Yeah. So what what does passion look like for you guys? What, what are you, what are you most passionate about right now? Um, to be able to move forward in, in life? Um, I'll just say politics in general. Hmm. Like it, it just, I know right now it's become very popularized, but like from, from a younger age, I would say about eighth grade, I've been really passionate about it and watching both sides of it. But I think um, for me, at least passion looks like, um, like on a regular day, I make my family watch like news stations. And sometimes <laughs> it's not the particular station that they agree with, but I just think it's a big part of, you know, I feel like when you're passionate about something, you don't want to just know like, oh, whatever your role is in it, you want to learn the whole scope of it. And I think you really put time and effort into it and kind of like what you guys were talking about, about uh, having opportunities to pursue your passion. I think our generation, like they're going to have to take a step back from that grind culture and possibly take internships that wouldn't pay you as much as like another job. But I had an experience with that. And while that was hard, it was hard financially, but it was very um, fulfilling to do an internship, something that I was passionate about. So I, I would recommend that to people. There are a lot of internships while we're very young, they don't pay. But if it's something you're interested in, you will will love it. So Good, good. And, you know, in that internship space, I hope it would also be an opportunity for young people to really kind of 
get a behind the scenes look and really understand if this is in fact something they want to do. You know, sometimes when people are explaining about different types of jobs or fields or career um, potential, you know, they give you all the glossy, pretty, you know, frontward facing stuff. But sometimes when you get in an internship, you get to look behind the curtain and be like, oh, I didn't know that piece. I, mm, I think I want to do something. <laughs> I'm going to do something else. So I, I, I'm with you, Marie. I really encourage young people to take advantage of those internships across all genres, right? Like get into all kinds of spaces so you can really know what it takes and what it will take for you to be successful um, mm -hmm. in that space. That's good stuff. I would say for me, what I'm most passionate about, just like in general, I don't think it's a specific like subject or field, um, even though I am going into political science, so. Um, but you hear this, right, Key? All three of us. <laughs> you hear that, right? Um, I would say I'm passionate about like the application of things that you learn. Like I love learning. I'm a very curious student, and you know, being a part of this internship, seeing the application of of how racial inequity manifests in the workplace seeing the application of how to combat those issues and how to really um, create strategic plans towards combating those issues. Um, in that same field, you know, I'm also interested in physics in that type of way. Um, I want to minor in physics because I like seeing the application of mathematical formula of calculus and all that stuff. So that's just, that's where my passion lies. <laughs> A genius. When she told me that, I was like, physics? Like for real, like Big Bang Theory physics. Like, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh. my, my son graduated in, as a chemistry degree, and I, I just stay back. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Somebody told me once, just repeat the last thing that they said to continue on the conversation to make it mm -hmm. seem like you know a little something. So a little something. <laughs> that's all. That's the closest I come to the science realm, right there. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for sharing what your your passion is about. But who who is that person that um, inspires you, or like, where do you get your inspiration from to have the passion that you have? I think the people that most inspire me are the ones that not only are passionate about what they do, but are also, you know, effective and um, just in general, like really great people. I would say from this internship opportunity, I've really drawn a lot of inspiration from Dr. G. Um, I've had the great fortune of being able to go through professional development with her. And every time it's been such a pleasure to work with her and to kind of talk to her about things that we're going through in the workplace and kind of hearing her perspectives on things. Um, I would say after, um, outside of this realm, I've had a mentor that helped me through um, a lot of the advocacy work that I did at my school district. And he inspires me every day. Um, his name is Christian. So it's just the passion, but also the effectiveness of the people that are that I'm looking up to. Nice. Okay. Nice. That's good. Dr. G is pretty awesome. Yeah. I do love her. I do yeah. love her. What about you, Marie? Uh, yes. Okay. So uh, Tammy Wilbin, she is like the first person in my family to, I would say, go to college and um, necessarily like pursue a career that is like passionate to her. And it's mm. inspiring to me because it's, it's, it's to see her do work that, like you said, like her worst day. Yeah. But it's, it's something she's passionate about. So it's, it's nice to see that because being a lawyer is very tedious and, and you know, she, 
you know, she has her days where it's like really work is piling up, but you can tell it's something she's passionate about. So that, and then like on my, in my passion side, I would say um, a big inspiration to me is, or influence in my life would be uh, Stacey Abrams. I think it is quite her story. Yes, her story like recently is just so inspiring to, to, you know, run those two governor seats and, you know, not necessarily win, but then to come back and just push so hard because you know your community can come out and do better and actually go on the ground and do that work. I think she's just amazing and phenomenal. I feel like work can be done like that in Texas. Yes, indeed. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Before we wrap up, I got to ask you guys. So being that you guys are young and you're starting off on your career paths and there's so much ahead of you, but sometimes, at least if you're like me when I was young, sometimes I was like, oh, I just wish it was somebody that was a little further down the road that could give me the cheat codes. If you could ask the question of Keith or me, right, that could kind of give you the cheat codes of making your way through a career and working in your passion and all that, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I don't know if I have an answer, but I'm going to try. <laughs> um, if you, I would say if you have, um, if you have a specific thing that you're interested in, like for instance, like I'm interested in politics, but going behind the scenes, I realized the marketing and communication side is what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Like what do you recommend with doing the internships or what do you think about doing internships in different fields, because I know that might be a little confusing to someone on the outside. Like, why are you interning here if that's, you know? Yeah, yeah. So for me, I would say there are some overlapping skills that cross all of the fields, especially with political science. And so like you, when I was a political science major, uh, in undergrad, I was, I was really kind of tunnel vision thinking I have to do these things to work in these kinds of areas, but really, what I got from the degree is that it really built in you this, this curiosity and this critical thinking and this, this, this linear thought pattern, if this, then that, this is how things balance, that served me well in all kinds of different spaces. And so I went on to get my master's in business, completely unrelated to political science, but the skill set and the, the ways of learning and the ways of doing things that I learned as a poli sci major applied. And so I will tell you, absolutely do those internships and all these different kinds of disciplines because they'll help you see what that connecting skill set really is. Is it critical thinking? Is it conflict management? Is it influence? Like, how do I build my influence? How do I build my um, uh, authority? That kind of stuff. It doesn't matter what area you work in. There are some things that cross over. What about you, Saran? What's the question that you would ask to get some of the cheat codes? Yeah, of course. Um, I would say since we're all, you know, black, the question I would have is how have you dealt with or slash like, what do you think is the best method of dealing with microaggressions in the office or general inequity that you see? Um, So microaggressions and inequity, in my experience, come from two different places, right? So equity is that systemic stuff um, that is mired in tradition and is usually, for the most part, older than any of the people who are living in it, right? But still, Mm -hmm. people are very much attached to it. They're very Mm -hmm. much protective of it. Um, But 
you have the ability um, with equity issues to really look at data and current realities and start to challenge some of that stuff. Like I understand that when we started doing this, this was the reality, like this was the environment, this was the landscape at the time, but here we are here now and what we're doing is not relevant in this time. And so you can begin to have conversations and stuff like that. Um, to me, those inequity things that are systemic don't feel as personal because like I said, much of the time they're anchored in things that are way older than me or that was here way before I got into an organization. But microaggressions are different. Microaggressions feel really personal. Mm -hmm. And it really feels like in some instances, it's the person who is is kind of using the microaggression. It is their outward showing that you are not important enough for them to understand better. Now, some of that is my own, right? And so I, I had to become really savvy with when, when am I when am I feeling getting away from an actual um, um, kind of judgment of the situation or realizing what's going on in the situation. Many times people aren't being malicious and intent. They just don't know. Right. And so mm -hmm. you, you got to educate folks. You, you got to lean into your bravery. You have to let people know you have to build your skill and, and help people um, understand things and, and understand how your emotions and your reactions affect the context of the conversation. And then people can't hear your content because they're inflamed too. Um, but you also have to be brave enough to tell folks who are consistent and habitual offenders, because that happens, unfortunately, um, mm -hmm. that you consistently do this. It is not okay. Um, here's the boundary. Here is where respect is. Um, and, and hold the line on that. Like people mispronounce my name regularly, like all the time. But I have to remember that sometimes and many times the person in front of me right now who is mispronouncing it, this is their first time mispronouncing my, my name, even though this is like the seventh millionth time that I've heard it mispronounced. And so that has to govern my reactions. But it's a day to day uh, thing. It's about being emotionally mature and emotionally aware and understanding where you are at any given moment. And there are times, like you lady said, where your mental health in that particular day will not allow you to present in a way that is good for your brand. So sometimes you just like, I'm going to work over here in the corner quiet. I'm going to, cause I'm, I'm not for it today. Yeah. A couple good words that she used. Uh, bravery was, was one of those. Um, you got to be able to determine how much you want to invest into that. Uh, Rod just, I think, explained that re really well. Um, you got to be willing to confront it. And that's where the bravery part comes in at. Um, mm -hmm. And also, you got to be ready to challenge that individual. And so when those things come up, and there's a, uh, a very good way that you can do that just without causing a scene or roll another neck or whatever the case may be, because some people are going to expect that part to come from you. Uh, but you can gracefully ask the question, what, excuse me, can you, can you explain more? Tell me about what you're, you're asking or what are you saying about that statement? And many times people say stuff and they, they really don't know what they're saying. They just, it's been repeated in such enough way that it just sounds common. And so therefore they say it and they think that they know what they mean. And that's not really the, the case. Um, but I would tell you, and as, as a lot of people know, um, I always say put your voice in the room um, because when you allow that microaggression to just kind of slip into the conversation, 
uh, people will continue to use that over and over while you're in the room and you're wondering why they're saying that. And then, so my challenge to you is that, well, then why would you, why you allow them to say that? And so mm-hmm. again, uh, yeah. saying, excuse me, you said this, I just want a little bit of clarification. Can you explain that? To see what that individual, what angle they're coming from, and then, you know, be prepared to be able to re- respond from that right there. But you got to decide on how much of that you're going to take on and how much you're going to invest time in that. Sometimes it's worth it. And then sometimes it's, you know, we're going to move on from that. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been amazing. I knew it was going to be. I was so excited when uh, we found out we would have the opportunity to talk to two amazing, amazing um, up and comers who, you know, quite frankly, there are some some folks who have been in the game a lot longer than y'all that I'm like, y'all need to learn from these superstars. Yeah, exactly. Ladies, okay. Because <laughs> they know a thing or two about a thing or two. But Marie McGrew and Saran Ragasa have joined us today on the Cosmetic Podcast. It has been amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, ladies. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, these ladies all about my future and my way. Thank you guys for listening to Cosmetic. Where we're tackling topics and telling the truth. Hey, subscribe and listen and uh, listen to us weekly. And don't be shy. Give us a five-star review. And as always, be dynamic. Be phenomenal. Be cosmetic.